Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned and remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Buenos dias. Today, Retire There visits Galicia, Spain, with our guests, Craig Briggs Briggs and Melanie Briggs Kid. We're going to get to that in a little while. I should note, Jean and I are visiting virtually, everyone. As much as we'd love to interview our guests in person, we're unable, not just because of COVID, but we don't have that kind of money. <laughs> So just to be clear, all the people that we've interviewed have been live, but overseas through a computer in a program called Zoom. I don't want anyone to think that we're, we're, we're able to make these trips <laughs> as much as we want to at this point. Oh, and Jean is still working. So it's kind of hard for me to travel alone only because I think I think it would be very selfish. The region of Galicia lies in the northwestern corner of Spain, above Portugal. It's characterized by rugged coastlines, historic cities, and rolling green scenery. It was once believed that Galicia was where the earth ended. The place was the westernmost point in the region, jutting out into the Atlantic Ocean. It was given the name Cap Finisterre, literally meaning end of the earth. And it's located on the Galatea Costa da Morte, or known as the Coast of Death. We now know that Galicia is not the end of the earth. You know, we're talking to people there. So. <laughs> but to many retirees, it is the beginning of a new and vibrant life. So let's meet our guest, Jean. Craig Briggs was born in Huddersfield, an industrial town in West Yorkshire, England. 
and he says he's extremely proud of his working class background. Craig was the second child and only son of Donald and Glennie's Briggs. It is interesting to note that his parents, who are no longer with us, emigrated to the U.S. in the late 50s, where his older sister was born. Things didn't work out for them in the U.S., and they returned to the U.K. The birth of their daughter had been a joy. The arrival of Craig would make the family complete. Unfortunately, as Craig noted, he was not a normal lad. He had been born with two club feet. Some children consider their greatest childhood gift a bike. For our son, Max, it was one of those Flintstone cars where your feet powered the vehicle. (laughs) The most environmentally friendly method of travel. Remember that one, Gil? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. he, He loved that car. For Craig, things were different. His first birthday brought him a gift that would change his life forever. A marvel of modern engineering, this bespoke footwear gave him what the Vespa had given the youth of the 50s, freedom and independence. They weren't quite as stylish as an Italian-built scooter, but he didn't care. From then on, Master Briggs was on the move and no one could hold him back. Over the next five years, a series of surgical procedures changed the way he moved. When the time came, his mom walked him to school like any other proud parent, and his dad gave him the first and only piece of worldly advice. If anyone hits you, hit him back. Oh, man. I love, <laughs> love that. I love that. You know, uh, it was what... the six days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had the same problem. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. With one exception, his mind proved sharper than his boxing prowess. Academia was not really his thing. He found it difficult to concentrate on anything that didn't interest him. Gee, had I known that that was a thing to not like academia? (laughs) I mean, I mean, who knew you could do that? Okay. (laughs) So he left college, entered the employment market and ended up in retail. It took Craig six years to realize that it wasn't a career for him. Following his departure from the retail sector, He spent two years as a financial consultant, really an insurance salesman, before buying into a failing printing company. After 13 years of blood, sweat, and holding back the tears, he sold his company to follow his dream. Craig says he hasn't had a proper job since he was 24. He believes if life deals you a bad hand, don't fold, take a chance. A good player always comes up on top. Uh, I just need to interrupt there for a moment. I know it's a very um, British statement, not having a proper job. I mean, that's in the eyes of the beholder, right? And also, um, I just I just want to say that in this day and age, things have changed to what is considered a proper job, right? So, I hope so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we're humble and and like you, saying that you haven't had a proper job does you no service, because based on what we've seen, you have done not just an improper job, but you've done an amazing job. <laughs> so yeah. we applaud you for that. Okay. And you, you took that that company, the printing company, which wasn't doing well, and you um, made it into a profitable business. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's proper bucks there. Yes, proper. Okay. <laughs> All right. So but it's like if people ask you, "What did you do?" It's not like you can say I was a dentist, I was a nurse, I was a teacher, because mm-hmm. it's like, well, what did I do? <laughs> right, right. No, no, I get that. Yeah, I'm sure this happens in England, but in the U.S., 
if anyone were to mock whatever you do, you'd probably get shot. No, I shouldn't say that. I really, I really shouldn't. Okay. I, yeah, right. and I, I, I'm I'm most proud of the of the tough jobs I had in life because that that made me what I am. Yes. Yes, it did. And the U.S. has a very different uh, outlook and attitude towards enterprise. I think in the U.K., you would expect to have someone employ you and uh, take a career path. When I say I wasn't, I didn't really have a proper job. I, I didn't have a nine to five. Yes, uh, and I and I think all that comes from the Queen's expectations. So <laughs> quite possibly. Come, yeah. on, come on, really. I oh, I totally believe that. So Craig's writing career began in 2004 when he was asked to pen a weekly column for an online magazine. In 2013, he published his first travel memoir, Journey to a Dream. It tells the story of a turbulent first 12 months in Galatea. Since then, he has added seven other books to the Journey series. In 2021, he published his first novel, Pandora's Box, a Taylor and Swift saga. (laughs) (laughs) All of Craig's books will be listed in the show notes. As a spectator, Craig loves the beautiful game. For the less well-informed, that's football, a game which involves using one's feet to kick a ball as opposed to a group of heavily armored individuals throwing or holding a ball and crashing into each other. I know. <laughs> Never made any sense to me, boy. I, I love he, both games, but anyway, go on. <laughs> he finds the term soccer quite nauseating. His team is Huddersfield Town, AFC, of course. I keep interjecting, but have you watched Ted Lasso? Um, no. Oh, okay. You have to watch Ted Lasso. You don't know what it is? You, no. You've never heard of it? All right. It's no. filmed in, well, it's filmed in uh, England. England. But- it's about an American coach in he was football? he was an American football coach on a sort of a lower league college team that won a championship. His wife wants to divorce him, so he, he doesn't know what to do. So he gets an offer from a I guess it's a Champions League team AFC in Champions League team, a second level team in England. She wants to do it because uh, she w- really wants the team to fail because her husband gave it to her in the divorce. So, so it's, she it's, hires this guy thinking that, oh, you have to watch. Gonna... It's just hysterical. It, it's it's so funny. It's just hysterical. Ted Lasso. There's been two seasons, I think. Yes. Every. Ca- do, you, do you know Hannah Waddington, the actress? We probably would if we saw. Uh... Yes. But, uh, yeah. But the but the main the the lead is an American comedian, writer, producer, Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis. And he's. I never really cared for him, but he is hilarious. Hilarious. You cannot stop laughing. I guarantee just watch the first two episodes. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. I really digress and I'm cutting into our time. (laughs) And Gene's kicking me really hard. I'm not kicking. As well as writing, Craig is an enthusiastic winemaker and owns a small vineyard. Wow. Are you a Capricorn by chance? Uh, No, cancer. Oh, hmm. interesting. Close enough. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Craig's game of choice is pool. I think he means snooker. And he is partial to backgammon, scrabble and roomy cube. I haven't heard that term roomy cube since my mom passed. She would constantly ask me to play what I wouldn't give to play roomy cube with her now. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Melanie Brake's kid was also born and raised in Huddersfield, West Yorkshire. She and Craig were born in the same hospital four years apart. That's quite the destiny. Okay. <laughs> at the age of 16, she studied catering at Huddersfield Technical College. 
Her first job was with the government pilot program for the unemployed, where she worked in several industrial kitchens. It was a way of keeping young people off benefits in a time when unemployment was very high. That's interesting. At the end of the year-long placement, she was employed in one of the kitchens. She also worked in a snooker club for Americans. Snooker is similar to pool. You just want to be clear about that. At a writing school, in exchange for free writing lessons and a pub and a restaurant in the evenings to make ends meet. Her last job was in a farm shop. Oh, that's interesting. What does one buy in a farm shop? I'll ask you later. She has not worked since she's 31, although she now helps Craig with his social media book, marketing and winemaking. Melanie enjoys reading and cooking, and she is Craig's biggest backgammon and scrabble opponent. Good for you, Melanie. Melanie and Craig, welcome to our show. You are not the typical retirees, or shall we say you are not the proper retirees (laughs) since you since you left the workforce at such young ages. You moved to Spain almost 20 years ago when you were both around 40, give or take, Melanie, four years younger. And by the way, we understand you recently celebrated your silver wedding anniversary and have been together 37 whopping years. Congratulations. Oh, my God. Thank you. And they were together longer Longer than before you and marriage I. than you and I were. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 getting there. But okay, you need to make sure it's the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So Jean has been engrossed in your articles and books and sharing your stories with me. But we only have sixty to ninety minutes. Although I probably killed forty minutes already. <laughs> set aside for this episode. So let's get to it. What led you to Galatea? Just as the first question. I think the main thing was fear. As a young man, I thought that I would have less years of mobility than most people. As uh, the years have gone by, uh, that's turned out to be incorrect, actually. My mobility's improved since I stopped working. Wow, that's Um, great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as people get older, bad joints and overweight and things like that. So so my peers, the gap is closing in terms of mobility between, you know, quite a large proportion of my peers and myself. So that was, I suppose, the driving force was the fact that I I wanted some retirement time and I thought I would have less than other people. So the the goal became early retirement was 55. I always liked to uh, overachieve, so I dropped out to 50. (laughs) And then because uh, because of my disability, I took another 10 years off. So the target was to retire at 40 or at least give myself uh, the choice uh, to, to do alternative things at 40. So that, that became the goal. And by pure fluke, uh, we managed to achieve that. And Spain, Galicia, was chance, pure chance. We used to holiday on the Mediterranean coast in Javier. And we also and we used to do two, two holidays, used to do four holidays a year. We spent two weeks on the Mediterranean coast, and we used to spend four weeks in total, four separate weeks, on Lanzarote, one of the Canary Islands. So they were our destinations of choice, places we're looking at. And by pure chance, looking on the internet for properties, um, these romantic stone farmhouses, a beautiful green scenery popped up in this place called Galicia. Never heard of it, didn't even really know it was in Spain. <laughs> Yeah, who would? So we thought, let's go take a look. We booked a flight, long weekend. I booked one of these romantic 
Aww. stone cottages with an open fire and oh, it's, it was just oh, nice. yeah. fantastic and so we did uh, three nights four days and said right let's at go the end of, at the end of february at the end of february <laughs> and in at the beginning of may we packed the car up put the dog in put ourselves in and off we went <laughs> oh, that was wow. it we drove up wow. into the sunset <laughs> Wow. Never to look back. I rented a pro- we had arranged to rent a property for three months originally so that we could just get a feel for the place. So we did know roughly where we were going. We had somewhere to to go to, but it was quite different to the Spain we'd been on, been to for our holidays. Been to previously, yeah. It was it's it's a very beautiful, very beautiful part of Spain. Very green. Very green, beautiful scenery, mountains, deep valleys, lakes. It, very similar scenery to, to Yorkshire. So dry stone walls, fields with cows in, even slate roofs. Uh, Galicia is, supplies 90% of roofing slate for the whole of Europe. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's um, it, it's just seemed like a good fit, really, for us. And we came on a trial, three-month trial. And never went back. So, so did you move to a country town? Where were you exactly? We uh, we moved to a little uh, little village called Ferreira, which is only 10 kilometers from where we where we live now. We rented a, an enormous house. 20 years ago, there were very few choices. So we just rented a basically a property that was in the area we wanted to be. We renegotiated the rent after three months when we knew we were going to stay and we'd found a house that needed renovating. So we knew we were going to be there longer. We, we ended up being renting for 12 months before we moved into our home. You look online and <laughs> you've been to Spain before. So you know what that's like on a plane, but you didn't pick Valencia or Madrid. I, I need to understand this because... If Gene and I do this, do we just trust ourselves to go and take a look without comparing to other places that you have heard of in Spain? Um, no, nothing's uh, nothing. Nothing's definite in life or permanent. So you know, renting. <laughs> but you've somewhere been there twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, renting somewhere for three months, taking a look, see, seeing if you like the area. I mean, we moved from um, it's the biggest town in. Uh, the United Kingdom. I mean, it would be a city other than the fact that there's no cathedral in Huddersfield. So it's it's the biggest town. And it, it's also a very industrialised region of, of England. And we moved to a very quiet part of Spain, rural Spain. That was a huge contrast. To give you some idea, we live in the, the village of Cannabal, which falls within the municipality of Sabea. The area of Sabea is just over twice the area of Manhattan. Oh, okay, thank you. through association, we know every single one of the residents in the municipality of Sabea. So there are (laughs) 2,243 residents, and through association, we, we basically know them all. Oh my wow. goodness! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! So everyone knows each other's business. You're saying? Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. Oh my god! But, but Kill, okay. I, I think I think you know. So they picked this area in Spain. It sounds to me the people in Spain are so nice. We could pick anywhere in Spain and we'd be happy. So Ga- Galatia was the place. All right. Yeah, cult- culturally, it is Galician. You know, there's there's um, 
there are uh, uh, other expats from other countries. The Dominican Republic has quite close ties with Galicia, Cuba, other places in South America. But it is a very Galician culture okay. that, that we move to. Mm-hmm. Nobody in our village speaks English. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Nobody in your so in the our, two of you, yeah. There's about what sixty houses. Sixty houses, yeah. Maybe a hundred people, and no, no, no one speaks English. Very few people do speak English. Wait, wait. But it's so not a huge do, problem. Do the two of you speak fluent Spanish? Uh, Melanie does that. I lazy, get lazy fluent Spanish. Really? <laughs> so how do you communicate with all your two thousand closely held neighbors just by well, making gestures? Or I yeah, know we. Yeah, yeah, no, Melanie. Melanie is fluent, and um, I'm more than happy to converse in Spanish. It's not a problem. But it, but that's something that's developed over the last twenty years. It's not something we just were able to do when we arrived. So sure, sure. Yeah, communication is not. Language is not a huge, for me personally, language is not a huge thing. I mean, it, it is very important mm-hmm. and the most important part of communication, language. But there are, you know, much far more facets to communication than just language. Mm-hmm. Facial expression is very important, which we found, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, over the last two years with, with having to wear face masks. Ah, um, interesting. Know, hand yeah. gestures. Um, there was a time that uh, we used to have to go into shops and draw the things that we wanted. And all adds to the color of moving abroad. You know the yeah, yeah. the joy of it all. Yeah, man. Oh, that's so neat. And and why did you pick an inland village as opposed to somewhere on the sea or one of the three? I believe there are three cities in Galicia, right? Yeah, um, we. Again, it was just chance, really. We didn't actually consciously pick a place to go. We we were flexible, and it just so happened that we got to Glitter and didn't get any further, really, I suppose. Um, <laughs> we just stopped where we were. It never felt like a conscious decision that, oh, we must we must live in Galithia, we must we must live in land. It's just um it's just how it developed. We we were happy when we came. You know, we we decided to buy a property, but even buying a property, you can always sell it and move somewhere else. It, it wasn't. I suppose if we'd have been in our sixties, it might have been. We might have had a slightly different attitude. Uh, we might have gone somewhere that we knew better, and we you know knew what to expect, or had a better idea what to expect. Or possibly less rural. Yeah, possibly less rural. I mean. When we moved to Galicia, we could have gone to the coast, which is far more urbanised. It just felt right, really, and, and it's, it's been a fantastic decision. It's easy to go to a town or a city, but it's if you live there, it's <laughs> not as easy to get away from it. It's, it. That is your life. You have city life, and then you go to the country for the weekend. We can go to a city for the weekend. Which or to, the beach. Or the beach, you know, which is, yeah. mm-hmm. for me, a far better way of, you know, we have this very calm lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So it's, no it's, pressures. It's, it sounds like <laughs> the people there in your town are very welcoming. Are they? And do you have, did you meet, make a lot of friends? Galician people. I, I mean, Spanish generally, I think. You know, I, I've always found uh, Spanish people to be very warm individuals. But Galicia, I mean, they they were really inviting. We we hadn't, 
you know, the fact that we couldn't speak their language didn't, they still spoke to us. You know, we hadn't a clue what they were saying, but they were just such lovely people. <laughs> I love it. And, and so um, I'm speechless, which is quite unusual. <laughs> but, but I think we, we would have to, in the interest of time, read your books to really understand because you've been there so long that it's kind of hard to expect you to share with us any kind of culture shock concepts at this point. You're fully embraced. I mean, you're, you're Galithian, right? At this point, you're no yeah. longer, you're no longer English at all, right? Do you feel that at well, all? They're still or? English. Well, yeah, you, you, we will always be English. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, no, I mean, that. I don't, I don't think you're English so much so that you yearn to go back. Oh, right? no. No, oh. we went back in... God, if, oh. it, if people could see his when, face. Did we go back in 2020? Was that the last... To, yeah. 20, no, 20... We went back, yeah, in 20, 2019, I think it was, and that was the first time we'd been back for oh, 10 years. Wow. And we only went there because it was my sister's 60th birthday, so <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have gone. Okay, how far is that when you say when you went to see your sister? What was the commute? Well, she, she lives in London, so it's probably a, a two, two and a half hours to the UK by fly, flying there, two and a half hours. Oh, um, I mean, we have driven. Non-stop to West Yorkshire. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 21 and a half hours? 21 and a half hours. Non-stop? Door, door. Oh. Non-stop. non-stop. Oh my God! We won't yeah. be you guys are incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't even do that. So, so for us, it's not not, not an option. All right. So, so how how far are you to the beach when you say you want to go? Uh, we're we're hundred kilometers to the sea, okay. uh, but we where we live is sort of halfway between two major rivers. The River Minno actually forms the border between Portugal and Spain further downstream. Wow. So we're, we're very close to a river beach, which is yeah. a sandy beach. There's a bar and a restaurant there. Nice. There's even pedalos, I believe, now. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're very close to that. When but, you say very, how far? Yeah. Well, fr- from the river beach, yeah. 15 minute drive. Oh, wow. Oh, that's wow. really nice. Wow. All right. Just to remind everyone, um, one kilometer is 0.6 miles. So uh, I just want to, I don't want to have to do do too much of the math. Right, a five, a, I be a able five, to five kilometers is 3.1 miles. All right, anyway, 100 kilometers, <laughs> which Craig just mentioned, comes to 62 miles. So that's how far the beach is. For us, that would be, uh, well, with traffic, that would probably be two hours. But okay, <laughs> I gotcha, gotcha. We hardly see any traffic where we are. That's a massive thing. When anybody wow. comes to visit, the where's all the traffic? Mm-hmm. We can go from our house to the supermarket, which is about... Eight kilometers, ten kilometers, yeah, twelve perhaps, 12 and not kilometers. see a not see a car sometimes. <gasps> wow! It, are the streets lit? Does the government provide you know? Are the lighting all over at night? And um, residential streets are lit. In fact, even in the smallest of villages, there might only be one or two houses. Uh, you have an entitlement to a street light if you want one. Oh. So even the smallest villages, the streets are lit. The main roads between, for example, our village and the nearest town, that isn't lit. But, you know, without any, I mean, the main dangers at night are wildlife, not other vehicles. You're more likely to come across a wild boar than than a car. 
Did you say wild boar? Wild, a wild okay. boar, yeah. So I guess you drive <laughs> to pick up your groceries. You don't necessarily walk. We, we do drive. The, the nearest uh, village to us is, uh, is the central village of the municipality, which is Sabea, where there are supermarkets. Mm-hmm. And people in our village do walk there and walk back with the, super, uh, with the shopping. People in their 80s do it. So no fear of the wild boar looking at you with the food. No, they're they're, um, they're, they're more nocturnal. They're, yes, they're more nocturnal <laughs> animals, and if you don't if you don't bother them, they're unlikely to bother you, really. My lord! So yeah. what other wild animals or or not wild and do you encounter like right outside your home? Deer, uh, fox. What else? Wild boar. There are martins around, which you which you rarely see. Martins. Um, Martin, it's like um, it's like a squirrely type thing. Oh, okay, okay. Nothing, <laughs> yeah, nothing bit, too bit big, bigger big. than a squirrel. Okay. Lots of birds. Birds yeah. of prey. Eagles, storks, herons. Prey? Did you say birds of prey? Birds of prey. Yes. Like, like what? Like a hawk? Eagles. We have. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. In the summertime, I have short-toed eagles whose main diet uh, is snakes. <gasps> snakes, we have. Oh my ah. god! Look yeah. at her. She says it like, "Oh yes." Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm petrified of them since I got bitten by one. Oh my oh. god! Yeah. Well, <laughs> we have to find out I'm if it was poisonous, little... right? What? What? So, what kind of? What? Oh God! You guys, well, the, the, you guys, um... we have to have long conversations after this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go on. Snakes, adders. I mean the. They are venomous, and uh, but they won't kill you. But it's a, it's a nasty bite. They're not going to kill you. <laughs> okay, All I've right, been then. in Brooklyn way too long. <laughs> All right, I have a question, not about animals. The your, your village? Do you have a coffee shop? Is there any? Are there any stores there, or there's nothing? We, when we first moved, there were two shops which sold a whole variety of things, and also doubled as a cantina, which was, would be a local bar, but they have since shut. But we do have a bar and restaurant in the village. Okay. Uh, so we're quite lucky. In oh, there's one, one bar and restaurant. There's yeah. one bar and restaurant, yes. Wow. Excellent restaurant. They serve um, a menu del dia, which, uh, which was a concept introduced, uh, I believe, by Franco during, during his rule, oh whereby a working man could get a three-course meal and a drink for the... Uh, an hourly, what he would earn per hour. Ah. So if you earn 500 pesetas per hour, the menu del dia would be 500 pesetas. When we first moved to Spain, menu del dia was 1,000 pesetas. So it was like six euros. But the peseta had gone out of use. The peseta had only just gone out of use. It's now 10 euros. So for 10 euros, you get a starter, a main course, a sweet bread coffee as much wine as you can drink for 10 euros a head that's amazing usually half a bottle of wine each what normally a bottle of wine per couple that's amazing yeah okay so for 10 bucks you can have 11 half a bottle of wine and all the well a lot of food dessert dessert a lot of food bread Wow. Wow. No wonder you're in there. Your lifestyle, (laughs) your lifestyle improved having moved there. Certainly. So that must be the meeting place for everyone in town, huh? It's a very popular uh, restaurant. There are others. Um, You know, it's it's not the only restaurant. There's a, we're very fortunate with lunchtime menus. Menu Del Dia is, 
It used to be a nationwide service. Many places now, the more popular areas of Spain, they've started either edging the price up or even stopping the menu del dia altogether. But where we are, working people still rely on menu del dia for the main meal of the day. So it's, it's still very popular. And lunch is the biggest meal in Spain, right? It is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I need to go back a second. So can you, from your house physically, can you just walk out nearby to get a cup of coffee? Yes. Yeah. All right. So you don't have to have a car, yes? You don't have to have a car. But? But, well, I'm, I love driving. I mean, I can't, I can't yeah. imagine life without a vehicle. Of some <laughs> oh, me too. Totally, me too. It right. sounds like you really okay. do need a car around there. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I just wanted to get a sense for the audience. Mm-hmm. If you move to Galatea, whether you need to buy a car. I think unless you're in city, city proper, I would assume most people drive. Most people do drive, unless you live in a town or a city. Yeah, mm-hmm. most people will drive. Okay. We have in the village, in our village, there's quite a number of old people, and and they don't have cars, and they'll will either rely on a neighbour to give them a lift, or more, more often than not, we'll just um, phone up a taxi and mm-hmm. and get a taxi to the doctor, to church, to the supermarket. Mm-hmm. You know, so taxis are readily available and inexpensive. And in in Cannibal, which is quite a novelty really we have a train station wow uh, and we we have uh, the train stops twice a day once going east once going west you can travel west and return in the same day but you can't travel east and return in the same day so it's a pretty useless service <laughs> talk about travel how far is the nearest wait. airport we have three airports, uh, Vigo, uh, Santiago de Compostela, and A Coruña, and they're all roughly an hour and a half from our house. Okay. None of them serve the U.S. It would be you'd have to stop in uh, either in Gatwick, Heathrow, or Madrid mm. okay. would be mm-hmm. the service to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Some or- friends who lived in America, they used to go from... From Sacramento to Chicago, Chicago to Madrid, and then Madrid to Santiago. Although from Madrid, there's also the high-speed train, which is Mm -hmm. um, two and a half hours, two hours, 40 minutes, 39 euros one way. Nice. You know, very comfortable, modern rolling stock. Yeah, I've heard about that. Mm -hmm. From your house to the airport, you wanted to not drive. Is it easily, um, are taxis readily, readily available? You could go to town in a taxi and get the bus get from Monforte to Santiago. Airport. Yeah, or we could actually get the train from our village mm-hmm. to Arense and then get a train from Arense to, to Santiago de Compostela. To get, so we, we could get the train to the airport if we wished. It might okay. take three hours, depending on five uh, hours, depending on the yeah. connection. So when <laughs> okay. you go to the airport, you usually drive? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you leave it in long-term parking if there's such a thing? We have done, yeah, okay. uh, in the past. Okay. when we've, We don't fly very often. To be honest, I prefer to drive than fly. Okay, by the gotcha. time you've waited in an airport and then... You know, <laughs> oh, right. At, at the other end, you know, had to go through customs. Yeah. You okay. know, it only takes us 10 hours for, to drive from one end of Spain to the other, you know, 1,000 kilometers, mm-hmm. 10 hours. It's uh, an easy drive. Sure, sure, Craig. Okay. Um, <laughs> Ten hours. <laughs> Ten hours. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about costs, shall we? Okay. If we were interested in pursuing Galatea, 
and everyone knows each other, is housing available? And what what would you say the pricing would be? Well, um, a state agent speak in Galicia is quite unique. So something classed as habitable, uh, most people probably wouldn't put livestock in, to be honest. But there are um, there are properties starting probably round about eighty thousand would be eighty thousand euros mm-hmm. would be ready to move into and to wow. a standard that we we would be happy to inhabit. What does that include? Um, How many bedrooms and um, probably yeah, two. two or three bedrooms. One we know a house that sold recently that had uh, one, two, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, three reception rooms, kitchen. And for about eighty thousand, so you know there, ah, there wow. are. That was a bargain. Yes. Okay. The, okay. There's no. You buy a house to live in in Gallipoli. There's really no price inflation at all. I don't think our house is worth any more now than it was twenty years ago. Mm, so wow. yeah, there might be a little bit more, but not much. Okay. So you so, do buy a house to live in, right? Uh, if you're wanting an investment. Mm-hmm. Inland Galicia is is not the place to buy a property investment. Really, sure, sure. But you can get a decent house for a hundred thousand dollars. You're saying, yeah, hundred thousand euros. I mean, uh, from, oh, eight, from eighty thousand euros, probably to one hundred and fifty. There are quite a lot of older properties that are completely ready to move into. You know, old farmhouses, detached farmhouses with maybe an acre of land. You know, maybe wow. a bit less. Wow, um, so nice. Yeah, and oh, there's, there are some lovely properties, yeah, for, mm-hmm. for good prices. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, it, and in terms of furnishing the homes, is it easy to to do that because of where you're located, or are there expensive, you know, tariff or shipping charges if to to buy? I, I assume there's no like furniture makers or what have you in Galicia. Oh, there are. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, there are. yeah. Ah. Okay, tell tell. Yeah, the, there's a road from from the nearest town to us, which is Monforte de Lemos, to our provincial capital, which is Lugo. There's a road, and it's called the Ruta de Muebles, which is the route of furniture. Uh, and it, <laughs> wow! Yeah. You, you want to go on that furniture one, shops? Lots of furniture shops along this road. I mean, we we we've even bought furniture in Portugal because. Um, Across the border in Portugal, they make good furniture and it's inexpensive. They generally deliver free of charge from Portugal. Wow. You know, it's only an hour and a half away. Nice. Um, Most of the furniture shops buy us deliver for free. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes if you buy furniture that needs putting together, they'll even put it together for you for nothing. Mm -hmm. They'll build it for you. Do you mean like Ikea? Is there an Ikea? No, not like well, similar style. Yeah, similar style furniture to IKEA. There is an IKEA in Galicia. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around, you know, I see photos online, but I really want to get to understand what you're living within. So there's an IKEA presence. Well, so the now, Danish Danish felt here. comfortable to put one there, obviously, and they're huge. So all your neighbors must go on certain, like they must hold like special, special events. Good old Ikea. No. No? Okay. Very, yeah, <laughs> no, very few people use Ikea, really. <gasps> uh, here you can buy quality inexpensively. 
Ah, so why would you go to IKEA? Of yeah. course. I'm not trying to say that IKEA is not good quality. <laughs> no, 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 no. We look. I I love the meatballs, and I also love I I love the the can do. You know, I go there for inspiration, and Lord knows we have purchased a lot from IKEA. But over it the doesn't years. last usually. No, no, no. But but it's nice. <laughs> Depending on the line. All right, let's not go into IKEA lines, but but yeah, I'm I'm glad they're there. Stop kicking me. (laughs) You know, this is your podcast, your baby. If you keep doing this, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna join anymore. (laughs) All right, no, uh, we're gonna cut all that out. Don't worry. So, (laughs) so so what about what about uh, utilities and costs, things like that, to run a home? What are those charges like? Utilities. Uh, we, not long after we moved into our house, we decided to drill our own borehole for what? for water supply. You um, you drilled your own what? Not us personally. Yeah, a borehole. It's um, it's a well. Okay. You know, they use a similar sort of drilling technology that they would to uh, drill for an oil well. Okay, so you went from running a printing service to boring holes in the ground. Oh, my God. No, no, boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this yeah. This is incredible. Oh, my God. They're turning red. I wish you people could see this. There was no transition. Like, you didn't take any courses how to create a world. No, no, no. We, 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 we employed a company okay. to come. Okay. And, okay. okay. <laughs> Missed that part. Missed that part. All right. Go on. Yeah. So so our water is um, the water's free, but obviously you have to pay for the electricity to pump the water to the sur- mm-hmm. surface. So there's very little cost difference, really, between the count, the water that the council supply and our well water. But the water's much... Fresher and cleaner. Yeah, there's no chemicals ah. in our water. There's, you know, the, our water comes straight out of the ground into the tap and we drink the water. Wow. It's, nice. Nice. Yeah. That's really nice. That's and, it's 80, 82 meters. So it's at um, 250 feet deep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a long way down. Mm-hmm. So that that's inexpensive. Water's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. We have, and then our house is one hundred percent electric. Now, when we first moved to Spain, utility costs were probably slightly higher than the UK. Not by much. They're very similar. But I think now. You, uh, electricity is less expensive in Spain than the UK. So what's, has, what's a monthly bill? A monthly bill probably varies throughout the year, but roughly I would say maybe 110, 120 a month euros. Wow, that's, uh, yeah. that's a little lower than us. Well, obviously, it all there's so many factors. Mm-hmm. How, the but size there are other things that. that are so inexpensive. Yeah. What about we talk about buying a house? What about renting? Do you know what the cost of renting a place in your area will be a bit more difficult rental most of the rural properties are available for short-term holiday rental you might be able to find somewhere on a, a longer let but in the in the nearby town of Montforte, renting an apartment we, we have some friends that rent a duplex three-bedroom duplex apartments which is 450 a month, I think they pay something in that region. Wow. 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 And what did that place entail? Was it one bedroom, two bedroom studio? No, that's a three bedroom duplex. It's a a very, very uh, modern uh, renovation work, but in an old building. So it is very, uh, it's very nice. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And and that is. And I, I think that, you know, for. 
is would be a, a fair price to rent. This one that they're renting is fully furnished. You could probably pay less for one that's not fully furnished. They generally include kitchen appliances. Oh, good. And it would also include any annual annual management charge would be included in the rental cost. So that so the four fifty is total rental cost. The only thing on top of that would probably be utilities and any contents insurance. The building would be insured by the person letting it. Uh, sorry, by the owner of the property. But you'd pay for contents insurance mm-hmm. and um, and utilities. Whatever you use, really. Okay. Wow. Okay. I want to go on to. That's Go on to uh, status. If you're not coming from the European Union, what kind of status could you get in Spain? Um, Well, now, unfortunately, the UK's citizens are treated exactly the same as the US citizens. Right. They now um, have to apply for. If you want to, you can. You're allowed to stay for a, a period of uh, 90, 90 days and then 180. And that, and obviously the the 180 is a rolling period time period. It's not fixed. So if you come on the first of July and 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 went home 90 days later, the the next period doesn't start 90 days after that. It is a rolling period. So you can only ever come for 90 days in any 180. And other than if you want to come for longer than that, you have to apply for a non-lucrative visa, which now means that um, retirees or younger people uh, can no longer work in Spain. So you have to be completely financially self-sufficient now to move to Spain. And there is an amount that you have to prove that you've got. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's 26,000 euros, I believe. 26,000 euros for the first person, you have to be able to prove that income, and right. 7,000 for the second. So you, you have to be able to prove an income of 33,000 euros mm-hmm. in order to come for a longer period than the 90 days. And what about healthcare? How's the healthcare by you? Brilliant. Yeah, the healthcare in Spain is really, really good. Obviously, because of uh, because of my disability, I have first-hand experience of the NHS in in England, and I would say that uh, the Spanish service is probably better than than in the wow. UK. Yeah, they're very very good. The standard is is excellent. Yeah, to have no complaints at all. Okay. And what, if, what, what if you pay out of pocket? Do you know, how, how's the cost? I understand that it's very inexpensive compared with, with the States, for example. We had a, a couple recently, they wanted something like 200 euros a month for the two of them, mm. uh, which was like the premium plan. They, they were approaching, well, one, was, one person was 60 and the other one was um, almost 60. So I think they were wanting for the two of them two hundred a month, two hundred euros a month, something in that region. That's good. uh, Yeah, private health cover. Is it easy to um, secure a primary care physician in Galatia? The medical we in Saber we have a medical centre, so that's like three minutes up the road in the car, and. There are now two doctors working there and two nurses. If you're lucky and you go on the right day and at the right time, you can say, I don't feel very well. Can I have an appointment? And they'll see you there and then. Oh, wow. We rarely have to wait for an appointment. 
with the medical with the doctor. So it sounds like there aren't too many it, medical issues. There's two doctors and two nurses. There are only two thousand two hundred uh, <laughs> <laughs> residents. So yeah. still a lot. I, I I mean that that's still a lot to service. So do you have a regular primary care physician, or do you just go when you need and and whoever's there? No, uh, we have a, we have our own. Yeah, we have our own uh, general practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that we would usually see when, if we made an appointment, the secretary would make us an appointment with that uh, physician. And then, depending on um, what was wrong with you, the doctor would make you an appointment there and then to see a specialist mm-hmm. at, at the hospital. We, we also are very fortunate that, that uh, the nearby town in Montfortes de has a hospital. So that's you know, again, twelve kilometers from home, we have a oh, you know a hospital okay. that would would do most most things, particularly specialising trauma. The other we've had people here from the UK on holiday have a heart attack. They're taken immediately to La Coruña, which is an hour and a half away. They've had stents put in during the stay. We have a centre of excellence. Uh, so the centre of excellence for car- cardiology is La Coruña. The centre of excellence for uh, cancer problems is our regional capital, Lugo. Again, a very short distance away. Okay. Um, and then the general hospital in Montforte de Lemus will basically cover most things, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just highly specialist treatments uh, catered for in these centres of excellence, which. Um, to my mind, is is a good idea in in what is really quite a sparsely populated place, really. Mm-hmm. And they don't. If you've got a problem, I've had two operations on my knee, and they don't just say it's wear and tear; it's nothing. They want to get to the bottom of why you've got pain. Great. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And they won't just, in my experience, send you home. They will. Oh, no, Keep looking until yeah, they find what's until they diagnose out. what's wrong with you. They will just keep searching, and, and you know. So you you might go to accident and emergency, and you will you'll have an X ray. You might have a scan. You you everything that's needed in order to diagnose the problem, which in my experience didn't always happen in the NHS. You know, a, a consultant uh, doctor would would. We'd have a hundred patients to see. Each one would be five minutes, and that that was the period of time that wow. we'd get. Uh, whereas here, we found that no stone goes unturned until they've diagnosed a the problem and set out a course of, of treatment. Wow! So, so, so Mel- incredible. That so Melanie, really incredible. Melanie, how's your knee now? Great, thank you. It's no pain, no nothing at all. But wow. I, I really could not fault how good they were. She had keyhole surgery on her knee. We, we, we sort of trace the accident back to trampolining. Uh, <laughs> trampolining? Yeah, which old people should not do. <laughs> old people. <laughs> That's what they told me when I, when I visited my son who was in Iceland, oh. and I went with him on a snowmobile, and he was driving, and I, he crashed, of course, and I broke my arm. And I came back and everybody at work said, you think you should be doing that in your age? Yes, I think I should be doing that. Want to have fun. (laughs) I I get these WhatsApp texts. Dad's in the hospital. I couldn't make it. And 
it was just, it was frightening. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm over here in Brooklyn going, what the heck? You know, but yeah, yeah. Luckily, luckily every, everything worked out, but, <laughs> but I kept text. I was WhatsApping him going, are you in an ambulance or, and I, I think what, wait, what happened? They were, no, no. How did you get transported? Wasn't that a fiasco? Oh, so, so the, when you're in Iceland, the, the, um, snow, the snowmobiling is in the middle of nowhere. They bring you out on this, this vehicle that has these huge wheels through the snow. Anyway, so we had to go back and that was the most painful. I'm sitting on this, on this big sort of vehicle. And then they transfer you to a bus. Of course, the guy who ran the tour, instead of taking me directly to the hospital, he dropped people off first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of that? I, I said, mean, I if, said I... if this happened in Manhattan, <laughs> oh my God, you want to talk about litigation, <laughs> litigation. I said, I'm in pain. He said, yeah, probably didn't break it. I got to the doctor, the, the hospital. He said, oh yeah, you definitely broke it <laughs> in two places. Can you believe that? That's insane. <laughs> and and okay. the guy, the guy who ran the bus tour, the Iceland, Iceland guy, he basically said to me, oh, you, you're, you're a wimpy, wimpy American. <laughs> I know, I know. Can you imagine? He broke his arm, and he's like, you know, we have to take a couple more people on the tour. Anyway, um, this is this is this this is why exacerbates, but, and but it's so reassuring. But the hospital is very good there, and the doctor is very good. I must say. All right, don't don't protect Rakovic. <laughs> yeah. He's fortunate that it wasn't that serious. A break is a break, but still it was just, it was very scary. It was very scary. Of course, there was further away as well. When you're in another country and somebody's yes. had an accident, you, you're about to worry and them saying, oh yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> right. And then the next thing you know, the person's gone. And, <laughs> and, and what do you do? All right. Okay. So you know what? I I have to say this for, for everyone listening that this is so reassuring. The medical care is as good as we've heard. I love hearing that they're interested in delving into the source. Yeah, that's Whereas great. There are so many doctors and there are so many um, you know, folks in the medical field that will just first they're pressured by the system, like my primary care. I love her to death, but she has 20 minutes. And within that 20 minutes, she is speaking like at a speed you wouldn't <laughs> you you wouldn't believe. And I wish I could record her, but she's also a friend of the family. So I don't want to record her without her knowledge. <laughs> and that just wouldn't be right. So I, I must say, good for Galatea. Yeah. What, what do you think? So you've been there for 20 years and you haven't moved. Why do you think you've stayed? Is it the people? Is it uh, the environment? What is it? It's a combination of all those. I mean, um, we, we do spend three months of the year in the south of Spain on the Costa del Sol. Mm-hmm. Um, so that so December, January and February, which are the worst months, usually the worst months for weather. We do spend in the south where it's warmer and uh, we see more of the sun. But the climate in Galicia is, well, I, I think it's probably as ideal as, as we could wish for coming from further north in Europe. The summers are uh, hot enough to enjoy, but not too hot that you, you're confined to the house with the air conditioning on. I mean, we don't have air conditioning at home. There are probably on a good, in a good summer, there are probably two weeks when air conditioning might be an advantage. But Two weeks is not so bad. You know, two months in two or three months like they have in Spain. I just listened to the um, to the Gozo podcast, and you know that 
that that's uh, it's very the, the weather in southern Spain is very similar, you know, to to Gozo. You, in the summertime, they lock themselves away um, with the curtains closed and the fans on, and go out at night, and then and that that's the life. Well. We live the alfresco lifestyle from <laughs> oh, I like that. normally from the beginning of May through to the beginning of October. You know, we spend our whole lives outside, just wow. enjoying the weather. It's um, we have the four distinct seasons. So whilst we miss most of winter, we do get the nice parts of winter. There's a ski resort an hour and a half from our house, and we can actually see the mountain from our back garden. Wow! Oh, that's nice. Um, that will be covered in snow in in some years, right up to the beginning of May. We have glorious sunshine. We sat out, you know, dining outside, and uh, we we've got a snow capped mountain in the in, in the distance. Oh, that's um, nice. Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's um, it is a it's a fabulous place to live. Uh, springtime is generally nice and warm. Obviously, there's it's a very green place, so it does rain. You know, the, um, mm-hmm. and when it rains, it rains. <laughs> we don't get the like, again, in the south of Spain, they have these torrential rains where you, you get an annual rainfall in, in a few hours. And yeah. It just washes <laughs> it's like here. You know, places away. Whereas Galicia, you get, I mean, in summer, sometimes you get spectacular um, electrical storms. It'll be two hours and then it's gone. It brings oh. fresh air in. Wow. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's very nice. We're autumn, so we have all the changing autumnal colours, you know, the golds mm-hmm. and coppers, and then we drift into winter. And as the temperature starts dropping, that's when we pack our case and head south. So wow. how cold is it getting those three months in the winter? Yeah, give us numbers. Well, the coldest, this is over a 20-year period, the coldest we've ever experienced was minus 13 degrees C, minus Whoa. 13 degrees centigrade. Okay. And that... Um, that was quite early in the morning. That was very early in the morning because we were going to the hospital, probably for Melanie's knee. <laughs> that same day, we ate lunch outside. Wow. <laughs> Just short, short sleeves. Wow. Oh, my God. What, what's the, so what's the average temperature in the winter? I would say the average. Get down to minus two regularly. Yeah. You, you, in the net. During, during the, the night, night, as high as 18 degrees C during the day and as low as, you know, minus eight mm-hmm. at night. So minus 13 Celsius is 8.6 Fahrenheit. Oh, that's still very livable for us. It was really that's cold. cold. But that's that cold. was just a what? A, right. But I'm saying if, if that's kind of like the worst, worst case and you recall that, then we know that that's pretty much as low as it gets, which in my yeah. standard... Like today. The year before the the year before we moved, the river in Monforte was frozen and it froze so thickly that cars could drive over. Oh my it. goodness. But it's oh. never been uh, like no, that since no, in it's twenty not, years. It hasn't been like that since so and th- does it ever snow in Galicia? It does snow very occasionally. It snows on the mountaintops and perhaps above above 800 metres maybe. It will snow quite regularly in winter. But where we are, that's twice in 20 years we've had snow that's uh, that's been around for longer than five hours. You know, <laughs> five hours. Because I, as we record 
in New York right now, it's 24 Fahrenheit. So that's minus four Celsius. I know, I know that must be very cold for you. But for us, we have this thing called down jackets, puffers. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting older, but I even wear the puffer in the restaurant. (laughs) <laughs> and no one looks at you, you know, it's just like it's very normal, but it's not the most comfortable thing all the time. You know? So, OK. And so do you have air conditioning? Do most people have air conditioning or? No, hardly anyone has air conditioning. Our neighbor, in fact, our next door neighbor, when I say next door, they're 100 meters away. He, uh, her husband, who's now uh, passed away, used to work for the electricity board. And uh, as a former employer of the electricity board, he gets free electric. Wow. So they have an air conditioning unit in every Wait room a minute. of the house. If you work for the government's board, you get free. This electric, is electric. Uh, I mean, no, he works for the electricity company. Yes. 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 And, he gets free? free. So when you retire, you get free electricity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And oh, even though nice. he's no longer here, his, his wife, wife does gets the free electricity. Oh, how nice. Wow. How nice. That's the primary beneficiary. Okay. (laughs) So they have um, probably four air conditioning units in different rooms. I've (laughs) never heard them going once, ever. Wow. Wow. And they are the only house in the village with air conditioning. Wow. Well, and, and no one complains about that. Actually, we have got a portable air conditioning unit, but only to keep the wine cool when it's yes. fermenting ah. on the head. <laughs> ah. Priorities. <laughs> yes. Talk about the wine. So you make wine. Do you sell it? No, no. It's ju- just for um, personal consumption. <laughs> <laughs> And no wonder they're so happy. All right. Let's go, let's go back. Gil, Gil, you had mentioned the name. He So Craig is Craig Briggs Briggs and... Melanie Briggs, Briggs Kid. Briggs Kid. I Why know. is that? In Spain, Spaniards have two surnames. Oh, and of course, in England, we only have one surname. Mm-hmm. So Melanie's maiden name becomes her has become her second surname. So she's now Melanie Briggs Kid. Ah. Uh, and as I didn't have a, a, a maiden name, uh, they just <laughs> duplicated my uh, surname. <laughs> Wait, is, is that because you became resident and they required official name? That's when you become citizens. You take on uh, residency. Is, oh, uh, Sorry. Yeah. is a permanent status that you're Spanish residents. But you retain your national you retain your nationality of birth. Whereas if you take on Spanish citizenship, you become a Spanish citizen and you take on Spanish nationality. So as such, everyone in Spain has to have an identity card. Mm-hmm. As Spanish citizens, we needed to have two surnames rather than the one. So I would become Gillen Chan Chan. Because she didn't take my name. I didn't take his name. Because I was, you know, hey. It, it's a long story. Well, it's not a long story, but, you know, I was never a Prudhomme and <laughs> he can't even pronounce his own last name. But Craig, why didn't you take Kid? Kid's such a cool name. It's like yeah. Billy, Billy the Kid. <laughs> right, right. Boom, boom. No, I, I I couldn't because that was never my name. You see, it was <gasps> Melanie. You see? You see, that <laughs> is that is the male response. You, It was never your name. See, women don't say she that. She took they your name and that was never her name. Right, right. What do you say about that? Um, well, I mean, that's just traditional. That is- oh! <laughs> okay. okay. Craig, you know, I had you as a plus sign. Now. Okay. Melanie, Melanie, so so you chose to 
I'm sure in England you you can you can choose to take on the surname of your future spouse or not, right? Because it's a civilized country. I think that um, in places in other places where you do have, like in Spain, you do have to fit the requirement of having the surname. But my my point is, you have to have the names. So I would become Gillen Chan Chan. <laughs> All right, then I might as well just change my first name and be Chan Chan Chan, <laughs> and I would just go around being called Chan Cubed. It's kind of cool. Okay, all right. But in Spain, in Spain, you have your mother's first. I That's think right. this is how yes. it is. Your mother's first surname and your mm-hmm. father's first surname, and even when you get married, you keep those names. Mm. So when you're in Spain and you're filling forms in, and for example, at the back, and they'll say, what's your name? Craig Briggs. And your name, Melanie Briggs. Is that all? (laughs) Yeah. And you've got his name. It's the same name. And at first, they just couldn't get the head round it. We've got the same surname. Right. But you could say that that Spain's very progressive, but... but (laughs) That, that that when you get married, you, you keep your name. You don't, uh, yeah. you know, so True. males, uh, it's only your children that take your right. first name of the, right. the it's the so It's so respectful, right, when you think about it, because you don't have to really do any serious Google or detective kind of research to know someone's origin. You know, like in the Chinese language, you will know that so... Depending on the side of the family, your aunt, for example, you would know just by calling the person by the certain name, whether they're from your paternal or your maternal side of the family. I always thought that was just so much more work. But as one gets older, one realizes how valuable that is, because during the conversation around the dinner table, you avoid the whole, wait, wait, so is he on your mother's side or on your father's side? You know, you don't you don't have to. All that nonsense just kind of goes away, you know, as opposed to just aunts and uncles on the father's side, on the mother's side. All right. So that is very, very interesting. And, you know, speaking of Chinese, that that probably would not work because there are so many characters in an Asian name. <laughs> like if I took my father's first name and my mother's first name, my name would be so long. It would just. It, all right. This is not about me. Can we talk about something that we haven't covered? And I know we've taken a lot of your time and we so appreciate it. We're here. We've okay. Got time. Okay, great. Guys in the audience, feel free to just double speed us if you want or, <laughs> or just come back because we don't want to lose you. This is so interesting. So tell us about entertainment and social activities. What do you do in Galatea? You can do as, as much or as little as you want, uh, to be honest. We, we're very fortunate that um, the, the mayor of our local council in Sabaya, his wife is the music teacher, mm. and she is able, I don't know how, but she's able to book uh, artists, global artists, mm. uh, that might be doing three concerts in Spain, Barcelona, Madrid, and the council hall at Sabaya. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, we've had artists from all over the world, classical artists, um, violinists and pianists. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. And most of the concerts are free. Oh, yeah, they're all free. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. so that's that's right on our doorstep. I mean, that, that's, you know, t- two minutes from home. And then um, in the 
nearby town of Monforti, they also um, have uh, council um, concerts that the council put on. There's also there's village fiestas uh, pre-COVID. Every little village would have a fiesta. So from from May through to October, you could almost you could certainly do two or three fiestas a week, and in the summer probably five or yeah, seven. Five or seven, yeah. Sabere is um, a very prestigious, the centre of a very prestigious wine growing region. So we have an annual wine fiesta which attracts. <laughs> tens of thousands of people were you know so that that's uh, we have other fiestas um for, for all sorts of different things the uh, chestnut charvis chestnuts yeah there's a college in Monforti where you can take language lessons art right. lessons basically anything you want to do mm-hmm. is is available to do okay uh, most of these activities will be for the local for local people so the most of them will be done in spanish there's mm-hmm. um very few would be done in english you know things like art and uh you know music i mean we know people that have played the band uh, not the banjo is it a ukulele ukulele, ukulele. <laughs> absolutely everything you could want to do yeah because i know the physical art scene is just it, it's stunning I, and that's just typical of spain I, there's so much you know in terms of street murals and uh those those large pieces it's just colorful and and it just brings such vibrancy to the area um and history the, the place is full of history i mean mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. provincial capital lugo it's the it's a world um, unesco heritage site mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's the only city in the world that has a complete roman wall that you can walk around so wow interesting the, the old city is um, surrounded by a roman wall i mean wow. you can walk around it's it's fabulous so so what do you guys do on a on a regular basis let's say because you're retired or after COVID. <laughs> <laughs> all right let, let's let's talk about before and uh yeah let's talk about before well we we would go to fiestas and we would go to most of the concerts in in Sabin, most of the classical concerts there mm-hmm. We've been to wine fiestas. We like wine, by the way. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you could have fooled me. Yeah. <laughs> We've done a wine fiesta in Portugal, in Rivadavia, and then we have our wine fiesta every year. They had started pre, pre-COVID to have a, an, an annual wine fiesta in summer in the nearby town of Monforte de Lemos. So we, we do them. Also, you get um, local artists. Uh, Carlos Nunes is he's um, he's very famous Galician. It's called the Gaita. It's a small version of the bagpipe. And he's uh, you know he's an international artist, but generally he will play um, a concert locally. We fado music, there's um, a fadista, as they are called, the singers. Um, there's one based in Arensi, which is 30 kilometers away. And she's, her concerts are always popular and she performs in the area. So those types of events mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. would tend to attend. Okay. We did, initially when we came, we did take Spanish lessons. That's probably about it, I think, mm-hmm. isn't it? Football matches. We've been to a lot of football oh, yeah. matches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Football, of course. <laughs> uh, that goes without saying. So. We've been to Portugal. We've been to Madrid. Oh, you, you mean soccer? Soccer. Soccer, yeah. Soccer, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, and, and what about snooker? Um, I used to play regularly with uh, with someone, but that's quite some time ago. 
So I don't I don't play as much now as I, as I used to do. I still enjoy the game, but because I'm not a very good opponent. <laughs> 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 well, far better at backgammon than snooker. <laughs> ah, nice. Like it's sunny out, and you said that you spend a lot of time outdoors. So, do a lot of people go hiking because you're near the mountains or things like that? We're very near to um, the Camino de Santiago, which is the Christian pilgrimage route traditionally from France across northern Spain to the uh, cathedral city of Santiago de Compostela. That attracts quite a lot of tourists every year. When I say quite a lot of tourists every year, you know, it might be 200,000 walkers throughout the year. But that's across the whole of northern Spain. Okay. And then there's a there's a walking route that, to Santiago from Portugal. There's one from southern Spain. Mm-hmm. There's even an English route, which um, mm. traditionally um, people would sail into English people would sail into Acarona and walk from Acarona to Santiago. So there's there's all these um, hiking routes. We're very close to the rivers, which are. I mean, I say rivers. Again, during uh, Franco's reign, uh, a lot of the rivers were dammed for hydro to produce hydroelectricity. Mm-hmm. So then it's they're more like lakes now. It has a similarity with the Lake District in, in the UK, if you've ever been there. In high mountains, okay. beautiful scenery. You know, people go fishing or... Right. You can go on boat trips or you can just take a, your, a canoe if you've got a canoe and just go freely whenever you like. Oh, and sounds so nice. There's lots to do. At first, it wasn't very well publicised, so you had to go looking for things to do. But once you start really looking, there are things that you can go to, there's some beautiful viewing points. You can go to them and there'll be nobody there at all. So it's just there so peaceful looking at the river and Mm -hmm. nobody to disturb you. So no tourists have ruined the the spaces. That's so nice. Not really, no. No. Okay, well... Well, just wait till after this show, all right? <laughs> so, so, Craig, you sound like you two do a lot of activities, but when do you find time? When do you do your writing? You've written, what was it, nine books? No, it's not, yeah, there's eight in the Journey series and then the novel I wrote last year. And uh, there's also um, a short story, which is free to email subscribers on my website. But, I, yeah, I do write almost daily. I do find time almost every day to write. I'm not a prolific writer. You know, some of uh, some of my contemporaries might you know, write six books a year. You know, that that's never going to be me. Last last year was probably my most productive year doing the two books because we couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be nosy, but yes, you so do. you're yeah, a little bit. You're writing your books. Has that added somewhat to your income? Uh, it has, yeah. Oh. Um, in fact, that that is our the main source of our income. It, t- it takes time to gain, uh, you know, gain momentum, but uh, that that is. We used to um, own a second property, which we uh, let to holidaymakers. When we first started, there were very few properties to let in Galicia, so we did very well for a northern for northern Spain. I think we did very well. But over the years, we had the property for nine years, the uh, number of bookings started falling off 
And so in 2018, we did sell the property, which, as it's turned out, was just by fluke. Um, you know, turned out to be a really good decision because the, over the last two years, hardly anyone has been yeah, to, the, yeah. to the area. You know, I, I started writing to 2013. So by the time we sold the house in 2018, we were doing okay. We didn't move to Spain to become wealthy individuals. Right, 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 right. That was the case. We would have stayed. Oh, we're <laughs> 60 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. We'd, you know, we're quite happy to have a modest income and uh, just yeah. to enjoy where we live and, and life in general, really. Yeah, you, really. You, you lived oh, the fire God. lifestyle before fire, fire existed, right? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are amazing. And we probably did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So during COVID, did the activities change that much because you're in like a rural kind of area, right? I mean, was there a lot of Netflix involved so you couldn't go out much? Or I shouldn't promote Netflix since they're during, raising their during prices. During the lockdown, we bought ourselves a television. We've never had a television in all the time that we've lived here. What? But in the lockdown, we bought a television. <gasps> But we don't subscribe to Netflix, etc. Good for you. Good for you because they're way out of, uh, you know, for us, it'll be 186. Wow. So you never had a TV, so you didn't watch football matches. Except if you go to a pub, I guess you could watch. Well, we didn't didn't have any TV programs for the first 10 years. When the the internet started uh, live streaming programs, we did used to watch certain programs in the winter on the laptop. So that, that was probably from uh, 2012, 13 up to 2018. We would just watch it on a 15-inch screen. Last year, we bought our first TV. 2020 now. 2020. Oh, wow. May I ask what size screen you got? I suppose by modern standards, it's quite small. I would think it's um, 24 inch or something. No, it's about... 36. 36 inches. Yeah. <laughs> Still quite small. Well, it's double your laptop and, and yes, you, you don't have right. to sit like right next to each other, <laughs> you know, right? And you can sprawl out kind of. So unrelated question, are you enjoying the television at all? Because you're not big on, on TV. Yeah, we, we we don't watch it at all in mm-hmm. the summer months. Wow. No wonder that. Yeah, so, we, so it's just a... Mm-hmm. It's a form of sort of mindless entertainment isn't it, that you can watch in the winter when you mm-hmm. can't think of anything better to do, mm-hmm. I suppose. I think he just insulted you, Gene. <laughs> mindless entertainment <laughs> all day. Me? Yeah, well, I watch, quality. I, watch, I watch quality shows. Uh, all right, I'll have you know, I have binged seriously in the last, you know, three, four years maybe. And part of that is because of my anxiety from work. So I would just be taken away to a series called Shetland. Have you heard of Shetland? No. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Have you watched all the six seasons? We may have done. We've certainly watched quite a number of them. Yes. Mm, isn't that wonderful? He's such a wonderful uh, D.I. Perez. Okay. <laughs> Although he doesn't look like a Perez. That's a long story. No, um, uh, what about Broadchurch? I think we have seen the second series of Broadchurch. But maybe not the first. All right. <laughs> All right. And Anything? we haven't watched Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, uh, I haven't watched one that epi- either. We watched one episode. And we said, this is boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I, people love it. A lot of people love it, but right. not us. If there are no like this serial killers. This is why we binge on your podcast. Because <laughs> we don't watch TV. We, we binge. Honestly. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's so nice. You'll have to, wa- you'll have to, you'll really have to listen. Yeah, thank so you. Interesting. 
It's Aww. been really interesting. But we and we've taken the mini speaker outside. <laughs> and when we've been sat outside, we've been listening to where other so nice people are in the world. It's interesting how other people do things and what they do. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Where they go. I know. Yeah, people are going to be saying that about you soon. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, we want We're to hear what. Not telling anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you have to share it and spread the fun. We no, actually, rough. it's interesting because tonight we're recording uh, an episode, a third episode about Thailand. We have on the on the calendar 10 a.m. Briggs, 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 and then we have 10 p.m. Chiang Mai. And I was just, you know, doing research. Chiang Mai has. 117 Buddhist temples. That is, oh, wow. I mean, that's incredible. That's a site alone, right? So, and I and I heard you mention one kind of religious or place of worship in Galatea, right? Oh, I mean, the, the Cathedral at Santiago, yeah. Yeah, But yeah. we have, um, in Cannabal, our village, we have a 13th century uh, church. Mm. Wow. Which is, um, yeah, which is really interesting. And um, there are still the painted murals on the walls, because that's how they decorated the the walls, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. seven hundred years ago. <laughs> There's a lot of um, Romanesque churches. Romanesque is a period rather than it doesn't relate to the Romans. You know, thirteenth, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth century mm. churches in the area. Wow, which oh, is really definitely. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those are places to really explore and 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 enjoy. Yeah, right? there, are, there are tours available to you know, mm-hmm. so you can go and. You know, see ten churches, or we went on a tour, which was churches and wine. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> everything comes back to if it wine. Doesn't have wine? You're not taking the tour, are you? That is so. You guys are so funny. Okay, so we've covered a lot. Covered the cost of living, the weather, how close the airport is, and all the all that good stuff. Healthcare. What words of advice? Do the two of you have for people who who wish to retire early? You know, we know that's a good thing, of course. And it seems like you're able to, certainly in Galatea. Uh, but what what words of advice do you have for, I guess, in the broad sense, for everyone thinking of retirement and moving to Galatea? Well, I have thought about this question, and I've <laughs> I've come up with three pieces of advice. Mm. I think the first one, and probably the most important, is. Um, Anxiety is not location specific. <laughs> yes. So if you are happy in your life where you are, you will probably be happy somewhere else. But if you're not, <laughs> relocating is unlikely to change that, I'm afraid. Very true. It'll be worse. Maybe. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, we, we see, because we've been here 20 years, we, we've seen quite a number of people try to make the move and end up returning to their home country. Oh, wow. And ma- the majority of the time, is it's nothing to do with the location. It's to do with issues that they have in their own lives, really. Mm-hmm. So um, interesting. Yeah. yeah so. Your your troubles come with you in the case. I'm afraid. You, you, <laughs> you know, you... <laughs> yes. Okay. So that that would be my first advice. The, the second one is um, don't wait to retire. <laughs> you know, too short. Just uh, yeah, yeah. Just just retire. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, as soon as you can. There are two types of people that we've spoken to. There are people approaching retirement, and the first ones can't wait. To finish, you know, they cannot wait for that day that they retire. Yes. Oh yeah, the countdown. And I have three more. group of people, and they say, 
I, I love my job. You know, I, I don't want to retire because I love my job. <laughs> and without exception, every single one of those people will say to us within six months of retiring, I don't know how we ever found time to go to work. <laughs> yeah. It's a fallacy that most people don't love the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people would prefer. It's this fear of the unknown, I think, that yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. what am I yeah. going to do with my time? You know, oh. Right. And I think people are worried as well about affording to retire. I think Mm -hmm. they feel that they need more money Mm -hmm. to have a retirement and, oh, I couldn't retire yet. I can't afford to retire. And you Mm -hmm. think your health, your well-being can't afford for you to wait. So Excellent, excellent sentence. Yeah, your health can afford, right. And then the third piece of advice, which is more specific. Um, I wouldn't rush into buying somewhere. You know, uh, if you move to a different location, I'd be inclined to rent a property and then you get, see more of the area. You can find out if it uh, sort of meets your expectations or exceeds your expectations. Or you might just think, actually, you know, 50 miles away is much better or by the coast, would you know, I like it more by the coast or I like it more inland. If you buy somewhere, whilst it's not irreversible, it makes things much more complicated. Mm -hmm. And perhaps some people end up putting up with things that they perhaps wouldn't have done if they'd have rented somewhere and just had a look around. So those are my three pieces of wisdom. (laughs) Well stated, sir. Yes, that was great. What about you, Melanie? Do you have anything to say? I would say that if you... It's not easy moving permanently. It's definitely not easy. The first time you feel that you don't want to live there, you know, we'd been there about two weeks. A man came to the door to do us a favour and I closed the door. I started crying. I said, I can't live here. I can't understand what they're saying. (laughs) And I was just so upset. And Craig says, well, we'll go somewhere else. I said, no, we haven't tried it yet. And some people don't give a move a big enough chance. They, Mm -hmm. They do sometimes give up too early. And 20 years down the line, I am really, really glad that I said, no, I want to try. I want to try to live here. Oh, wow. And how long did you give it before you loved it or said, I'm not going anywhere else? Well, Melanie settled in quicker than I did. Oh, Um, but it's a it's a for me, it was a progressive thing. If I'm honest, it, it was probably five years before I thought, I'm so glad, so <laughs> glad we decided to move here. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow, years. that's a long time. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you, you, yeah but you, they were young too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, true. That's you're still true, young. Yeah. You settle into a place. I mean, and I, I loved it from day one. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I, I loved it from day one, but to be really, really comfortable. and To, and to accept think, it, right? That this is where we're going to be without yeah. thinking... Let's leave our bags un, uh, unpacked. Yeah, it's amazing. And Craig Briggs, you wrote eight books on moving to and living in Galicia. And you must had it must be you must have had so many events. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't talk about them. But I, I am looking forward to reading the rest of the books. You need to read. There are no secrets in our books. They are all true events. They, <gasps> really? Things really happened. Oh, and okay. Don't... And the first eight books only cover the first 10 years. Oh, oh my goodness. 
Okay. He's really keeping this series going. Yeah, really. And <laughs> Melanie, um, do you edit his books? I mean, do, so. I do. I do. I help with the editing in the first stages, but we do now pay somebody Mm-hmm. to edit them okay. but i was um, thinking of content so are there any surprises <laughs> that are there any surprises that he writes and you're editing and you're thinking why are you sharing this with the world <laughs> he wouldn't dare <laughs> <gasps> what he wouldn't dare he ah, no. <laughs> i thought i thought she said she wouldn't dare change no anything. he wouldn't oh, dare. no he, no, no he wouldn't dare right okay. that i would all right kid up. Kid, you keep him in place, Melanie kid. Um, okay. All right. On on that note, we cannot thank you enough. Seriously. Thank you. Oh, this yeah, has been, been so good. much fun. And, fun. you know, especially during COVID, we have met so many nice people and you guys are right there, right there. And it's a joy to have to wake up in the morning to record fun people. Oh, no. no. no, no. Oh, my God. No. It's not that early. Excuse me. It's not early. It's 10 a.m. Uh, recording time when you're when you're up late till the wee hours of three and four watching some nonsense after you've had your gummy bear, which is not a good idea. Yeah. And that's uh, a company that I I truly believe has helped my insomnia. And for anyone interested, feel free to direct message me because I am not going to advertise for any, any (laughs) CBD entity. All right. So so on that note, again, you guys are beautiful and and so nice to have met you. Should you chance your way to Brooklyn, please give us a call (laughs) by then. We we hope to have one of the main rooms um, renovated and maybe we could do like a a little guest house. But don't expect an acre of land. Don't even expect. I don't know what we live in Brooklyn. It's it's teeny. (laughs) But our son has moved out from to get a job. So we would love to spend more time with you. And they're thinking, uh, no, it's the, we're not leaving Galicia. We're not leaving Galicia. <laughs> no, but likewise, you, if you, yeah, you, yeah, you must come to Galicia. You, you, we can't, um, we can't explain how beautiful it is. You, you, you would, um, you'd be stunned by the place. And, and yeah. for our audience, you should see these two. They're clearly really happy people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it's Galicia. Oh, it's the, the wine. wine. Yeah, it must be the wine. <laughs> remember, remember, this is mid-afternoon for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they probably had their little... Have you had any their yet? little grapes and... No, no it's water, honestly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you yeah, so we'll much. Be in touch. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.